0: Hi there, this is Brent.
1: And this is Amanda.
0: And we are the Unreliable Narrators.
1: Here to talk about the strangeness, the mystery, and the wonder of Gene Wolfe's prose.
0: What is time? What is memory? What is a person?
1: Is this reality? Where are we? Do we exist?
0: Have you ever considered that all your choices are what have brought you right here to this very moment?
1: Episode 1. Dumpster World, from the alliterative Argentus, 2005. This is an epistolary short story in the form of a book review by an imaginary reviewer. The supposed book is called Dumpster World and is a novelization by Wolf of a movie. The reviewer dislikes the book and compares it unfavorably with the movie, improbably starring Martin Sheen, Mariah Carey, and Brad Pitt as a robot. Several parenthetical comments to the reviewer's editor add a layer of absurdity to the already absurd uh, story.
0: All right. Well, I know I suggested that we should start with Dumpster World because I thought that everything in it is basically a tightly wound nugget of Gene Wolfe's thinking and story ideas.
1: Sort of a, a capsule? Of his style?
0: Yes, but this almost did me in.
1: <laughs> Already. Episode yeah. one and you're almost done.
0: Yes. So I'm I'm not even really sure where to start on some of this. So I'll just go through the first paragraph.
1: Uh, the first paragraph? You're just going to skip over the the title information and the reviewer's name? <laughs> let, <laughs> let, let's start with the first paragraph. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah, I there, it's just... Because Dumpster World, Dying Earth, basically a careless reviewer who just doesn't care. And yes, I repeated myself on purpose because.
1: Because the reviewer does? Yes. A film noir film?
0: Yeah. Uh, right off the bat, the funny thing for me was it regular price. 28.95.
1: <laughs> yes. However,
0: if you get a Gene Wolfe signed limited edition, <laughs> it reduces the value to $22.50.
1: Fantastic. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, that's kind of a encapsulation of a writer's insecurities and
1: Well, yeah, a writer's insecurities and then also what kind of seems to happen with certain authors who who don't ever get famous, they you know they sign essentially every copy of their book mm-hmm. and then you know a, a signed copy is is definitely not worth more yeah although the opposite of course of the, what happened with wolf as my bank account can attest
0: <laughs> so and then the vice squad and it's it's the clamping tool instead of the police detectives
1: yeah never a master of plot wolf misspelled here escapes the vice squad, or whomever deals with plots. <laughs> <Yes>.
0: <laughs> so the editor's like, "Oh, just just fix this. What do fix it, please?" It's
1: like, yeah, laziest reviewer ever.
0: Yeah, and then the yeah he confuses plot with turbidity.
1: Yeah, plot with turbidity, and what has been produced is a turbine. So, some classic wordplay with. Without bearings, that is to say, an unbearable book.
0: Yeah. So, and this is where I kind of almost started. This is what almost did you in? Yeah. Right right out of the gate. Because it's like turbidity, it's like turmoil, smoke, smoky, murky. Right. Haziness in a fluid. And then produced a turbine without bearings. So a turbine takes kinetic energy from a fluid which is murky and all muddy and it turns it into energy but it has no bearings so it it, and bearings are there to make a frictionless movement so it's just
1: but bearings are also what you take when you are trying to find your way somewhere bearings are directions Mm mm-hmm Yes.
0: So it's all murky, it's grinding, it there's it's energetic, but it's not going anywhere, and it's just spinning and spinning. Yes. And this is why I say this almost did me in.
1: Right. Because in the first paragraph, you've got layers of wordplay and imagery play that are incredibly complex and also just absurd. It this doesn't seem to be in the service of like a clear point. The point itself seems murky.
0: Yes. And I just, you got to love them for it. So,
1: Well, of course you do.
0: <laughs> so I, I think you ask a question there, like, what's the yeah, point what's this of Yeah, what's in all, service of? Yeah, what is it in service of? And there is, be, before I get there, like, I was went through and I counted. This is my count. So there's probably many more, but there's at least 50 puns. And play on words and right. misspellings and careless choices of grammar and words in a, in a story or a, yeah, yeah it's, it's, like it's
1: a, an epistolary short story. Yeah, yeah an it's epistolary a story.
0: short story that's 500 and, was it 574 words? <laughs> and that's counting the title and the author's name. So, <laughs> no. so we're, you know, we have almost every 10 yeah. words, there's some sort of word play here. So on top of the word plays, there's also three other themes that come in there. It's the literary or precise writing. Right. There are complaints about the author's social commentary. And then there's the tail end accusation that the reviewer flubs that he gets pleasure from tormenting his readers.
1: Or he's afraid of getting pleasure from tormenting his readers.
0: Yeah, no, that could. I yeah. I was given the unskilled nature of the reviewer. I <laughs> assumed that he was saying that she thought that he got pleasure from it, but then she picked the wrong word. So
1: right. I would also say. I mean, another theme is um, the financial value of writing, hmm. um, because we get we get two comments about price per word of writing, in which the the supposed reviewer makes fun of people for writing for a cent a word and then reveals at the end that they write for half a cent a word.
0: <laughs> yeah. So. With the offer to do non-actionable rumors.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, so that seems like a a, a decent, you know, list of, of themes or ideas that are going on in this 500 and some word story. Um, you counted... I I didn't try to count the wordplay because it seemed like every time I looked at something, there was another one that I hadn't noticed before. And so I didn't think that I could come up with one. But I did try to look up all of the French language wordplay and see if the French phrases were also miswritten, um, punning. uh, And they are, each each of them are... Are they? Yeah. So... um, Hardly a promising venison for a writer of wolf's frison. Well, frison is a French word for um, thrill or excitement, but venison is not a French word, even though it's spelled to look like one. And as far as Google can tell, it's just a misspelling of venison, um, <laughs> which is funny, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, meat um, for a writer of wolf's tension. He's a wolf. He's hunting i don't I, like i don't even know how deep to go with that yeah that um yeah and then you get an an animal again um in the second column. um and my french pronunciation is terrible but that's okay a trait dans la panda which <laughs> um should be panade mm-hmm. not panda but we get a panda bear in here um which would be to be in trouble the the french phrase would be to be in trouble but to be in the panda is also i don't know that's at least amusing i'm not sure if it if we're in the panda for musical jests or if mm-hmm. we're in trouble for musical jests um and then mal de mozart mozart being of course a composer but the phrase being mal de mare which is to be seasick
0: oh okay
1: so so yeah i didn't count the wordplay but just the the f- Four times French appears, it's also, yeah, wordplay. Wordplay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I tried looking up the different categories of these wordplays and puns, and there's many different... Some of these fall under what's called egg corn, which is where you mishear something and you think that... uh you imagine what it was based off of your current knowledge. So it comes from a story about a lady who heard somebody talking about acorns, misheard it, and so she repeated it, egg, corns.
1: Right. And Which is great because the reviewer's name is Keebler Egg. Mm-hmm. Excellent.
0: Yep. So and one of the more famous or funny examples I was thinking of was the in Life of Brian, where it's like, what did he say? He said, blessed are the cheesemakers. <laughs> right. But cheesemakers, what's so, you know? It's like, oh, oh, it's just metaphorical for all manufacturers of dairy products. Like, so it's like the, not getting caught up with like, oh, what was actually said? It's inserting your own interpretation in there and then continuing on. Right. And then there was also the malapropism. Yes. Which is... Somebody thinking they have the correct word, but comically putting in the wrong word.
1: Right, where they've just mistaken one similar word for... Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: And then there's a dozen other categories, which I was going to go through and I was kind of tallying them up and then I realized it doesn't really matter.
1: But he's basically hitting all kinds of wordplay. Yeah. As he goes through. I wonder if he had a checklist <laughs> that he was like, well, I haven't gotten... <laughs>
0: Are are we already getting on Wolf the Engineer like Cat?
1: Well, I mean, I feel like we we lost an opportunity already to talk about Wolf the Engineer because in that first paragraph, a turbine without bearings, Wolf mm. the Engineer would care very much about a turbine without bearings.
0: Yeah, that that was my bad there. I actually kind of thought about that as I was typing out my notes and then I just forgot.
1: Forgot that Well, how can you keep track of all of the things?
0: Yeah. Because I was definitely spinning as I was trying to analyze this story.
1: Were you spinning like a turbine without bearings? Yes, okay. And then of course, that imagery carries over into the second paragraph, where um, the the rev- the review, the quote review, um, they will recall that the film revolved. <laughs> and in parentheses, very much the correct word. yes, about Martin Sheen's struggle to prevent, et cetera, et cetera. And I, yeah, like that play, I, I felt like that's where I started to s- spin myself. Yeah. Confusedly.
0: Mariah Carey is a rabbit or a camel and a music guy. Right. I feel like he's making fun of the play in the Book of the New Sun.
1: Well, yeah, because he says, uh, well, the, the reviewer says that the one redeeming characteristic of this book is that there was no play within a play. Which, yes, the whole thing is a play within a play, within a play, mm-hmm. within a play because it's a novelization. Well, it's a a faked review of a faked novelization of a faked movie. Yeah, <laughs> but it didn't have a play within it. So
0: yeah, not a a, a dark movie. A film, right, there, a film there are a film. Right, so it,
1: it's a dark. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I I I don't. I don't know.
1: Well, I looked up um, one. of Well, I looked up a number of things. One of the things I looked up was um, uh, Earth.net, uh, their review of Dumpster World, which they just had a couple paragraphs from Mark Armeni on there. And he uh, he called it Wolf's least serious work which i thought was kind of an interesting way to look at it like seriousness versus unseriousness because as mm. we've already described this is a a dumpster if you will full of jokes <laughs>
0: yeah
1: <laughs> but is it are they jokes that have no serious rooting or no serious grounding we we've both talked about being you know spun up or or wrapped up or confused or um defeated by The layers going on here, but do you think that there's no serious grounding or is there some serious grounding and the silliness is... The silliness is not for the sake of silliness. The silliness is for the sake of something else.
0: That's a good question. I think that the silliness is for the sake of something else. And in some way, I think it is a very serious work. And I... Um, As I was reading through this, I was uh, reminded of another author's work, uh, C.S. Lewis's Paralandra.
1: C.S. Lewis, who's that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just Just some guy. Yeah, it's just some hack that some people read. (laughs) Okay. Um, But uh, there is a section in Paralandra where Ransom, who's the main character, he is uh, sitting talking to a voice on um, one of the islands and he's going back and forth with the voice and there's indications in there that it's male deal which would be the equivalent of god in in the story so in the quote here um, it, as he's sitting there it says it is not for nothing that you are named ransom said the voice and then ransom continues to think about several things and kind of in typical c.s lewis fashion he just calls the plot hole out and it's like if i would have thought of that it would have been a pun and so that's how ransom knows he's not just talking with himself he's actually talking with somebody else right
1: because he would not regard the fact that he was named ransom and was being called to be a ransom Mm -hmm. as a serious thing he would have thought of that that the character would have thought of that as a joke.
0: Yeah. And the voice replies, My name is also Ransom, which that's where we get he, he, yes, you actually are talking with God. And I think what the hack C.S. Lewis took an entire (laughs) book to get to. (laughs) Yeah, that's just a
1: a carelessly tossed off novel with no depth whatsoever. But whatever.
0: (sighs) Carelessly ripped off from Paradise Lost. <laughs>
1: Which was carelessly ripped off from, I don't know, Genesis or something like that. Yeah.
0: yeah. Works that will have no bearing at all in the future of this podcast. Yep.
1: Turtles all the way down. <laughs>
0: oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. So um, what Lewis carefully constructed over a entire narrative, I think... We're getting a similar thing with Wolf here, except he always writes from a perspective that's so attached to his character, so he's not really writing as Wolf, he's writing as this reviewer, and she misunderstands things, she's careless, she doesn't pay attention to what she's saying, and we're we're so attached to the psyche of that character, so we're getting... Her thoughts, her sensory inputs, and there's kind of where it it lands. Like instead of a whole gentle lead up to a pun, right? We just get a continuous um, firing of puns and workplace. An play. avalanche, or yeah, so yeah, avalanche. a tsunami. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think to kind of finish out what I was saying there, the uh, there's the short story within the story right. <laughs> of the, where they're all in the hospital in the book of the new Sun And the they're it's the, where they're doing the storytelling competition and it's the rooster and the angel comes down and they're kind of having a tet on tet and going back and forth. And one of the things that the angel says, is like, God's just as mysterious to me as he is to you. Like we're closer to each other then it's like then i am to god and so there's kind of that insertion of well even angels like mishear things and they angels have eggcorns is kind of i guess where i'm going <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that maybe part of the serious point is that as as created beings as as dependent beings we're all fumbling around in the dark to some extent and misunderstanding to some extent because our perceptions are not um, complex enough or finely tuned enough to understand all of what's going on.
0: Yes. I, I think that's a good encapsulation of what I...
1: Which, to be f- fair, to your original point of why you wanted to start with Dumpster World, because it that is an overriding theme in Wolf's fiction as a whole. And the fact that it comes through so, well, I don't know, I think it comes through very effectively in mm-hmm. in this silly fanzine um, <laughs> short story in a in in a deliberately satirical section of the fanzine mm-hmm. um, that 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 comes through just shows how much, you know, Wolf is a whole and consistent mind. He doesn't, you know, um I think well, you've objected before in our conversations to people calling Wolf's fiction a puzzle box, as though yeah. he was setting out to puzzle or confuse people when I think he's setting out to make something clear. It's and 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 so he, he writes consistently from a set of assumptions or a set of beliefs or a, a clear understanding of the world, and it'll come through you know, he is him in this as much as he is him in. The Book of the New Sun or Soldier of the Mist.
0: Yeah. Which I guess is partially what I would be arguing here if this is...
1: If this is an argument. Yeah,
0: if this is an argument is that at the center of each Gene Wolfe story is a really bad dad joke. (laughs) (laughs) So,
1: Do we need to see if we can contact one of his children and and ask if he was fond of them? I... (laughs) Or do we just know that he was? He,
0: I, I this is just my headcanon here, but right. I, I imagine that he had to take up writing because his family got tired of the dad jokes. <laughs> so but
1: that seems a pretty good headcanon. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know if any of this fits into the larger conversation at all, but I did do a little bit more research that I didn't get to bring up yet. So I want to show off my homework, I guess. Yeah. Um, all of the actors that he named Appeared in a movie or TV show in 2005, which is when this came out.
0: Oh, um,
1: but none of them seem to have anything to do <laughs> with this imaginary um, film noir film, uh, Dumpster World. So Martin Sheen was in West Wing during, you know, for, for several years. Yeah. Um, and 2005 is during that the run. Um, Brad Pitt was in Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Mm. um uh deborah Voigt, who i'd never heard of um was in a film version of an opera uh la giaconda um by mm. who's which is by the italian um composer Amilcare poncelli so don't know anything about it mm. um mariah carey actually i didn't look up so now i realize i failed um and in, in that um I, I'm I, sure I she was one. in
0: some music video.
1: Probably. <laughs> and um, Mickey Rooney was um, in the voice of Santa in some cartoon. So, hmm. yeah. So they, they were all active actors at the time, but not in anything together and not in anything. And, and I couldn't find a movie either in the end of 2004 or in the beginning of 2005 that could have been a stand in space opera. Um, I mean, obviously, Wolf would not be limited to that time frame, but I was wondering if there was something that was immediate that might have prompted this. But I couldn't, I couldn't track anything down.
0: Hmm. Okay, I I do have to say there my uh, when I was reading the Brad Pitt section where he's B six, yes, I misread because it's l- Uh Uh,
1: lubricously is how it's spelled, but I think it's a misspelling of lubricious, which is supposed to be. Sexy and enticing. Yes. Lu- lubricating, as it were.
0: Yes. And it was, I was, it's like, oh, wait, mechanical or. Yeah, mechanical it,
1: lubrication or.
0: Mm-hmm. And then the whole way that he is enticing is you can't tell it's Brad Pitt because of the costume and the yes! cosmetics. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like hmm. is he
1: sexy because we can't tell he's Brad Pitt?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was, kind of had to laugh at that one. Yes. So, but
1: wondering if Gene Wolfe saw him in Fight Club and (laughs) knows what he looks like or not (laughs) Mm. Mm. yeah um, I I thought that that was pretty interesting that he's completely unrecognizable is what makes him or is described right along with him being incredibly attractive Um, I I also thought it was hilarious that um, all of the action of the movie is replaced by talk (laughs) Um, so in this book, the thunderous booms and bangs, the snarls and terrifying growls of monsters flapping through outer space are replaced by talk. And so is everything else. (laughs)
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Which is pretty fantastic. Um, and, and so then I don't know what it is that the robot B6 is saying that's so enticing or, or maybe it's just providing the lubrication to the turbine without bearings. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know either. I was imagining a a poor community college version of Waiting for Godot.
1: Oh, that yeah, that would be good.
0: Yeah, cuz it's like if it's all been replaced by talk and
1: <laughs> then we have a, a a robot in fantastical costume or mm-hmm. being described in fantastical co- costume cuz it's a book now mm-hmm. talking. Um, in 2005, also these, you know, these are maybe just random connections, but maybe there's something there. Um, Gene Wolfe published uh, Starwater Strains, which mm-hmm. is a collection of short stories. Um, the Wizard Knight Omnibus came out because The Wizard Knight came out in 2004. Okay. And then his only other publication was a chat book called Christmas Inn, um, which he produced at uh, the last minute for a publisher who needed a um, a story to send as a Christmas present to um, subscribers, and the previous author um, had failed to deliver. Oh. And so Wolf produced Christmas Inn, which is about a woman named Mary Christmas. Oh, gosh. So, you uh, know, this is not the only time he made wordplay, is mm-hmm. basically what I'm saying.
0: Kind of an aside here to your comment about the chat book. He seemed very willing to participate in maybe maybe I'm choosing my words poorly here, but like gimmicky um, contrived uh, types of it's like, oh, we, we're we're gonna do this and you know, we need a story of a hundred words or I need I specifically need a Christmas story or mm-hmm. he seemed much more willing than I at least imagine a lot of authors are like to enter into the constraints of somebody else's uh, like publishing gimmick.
1: Well, for an author of such literary talent and style, such an artist in the, in the sense that he, he consistently created great art. He was, he was very willing to be limited by expectations, but that's where, you know, that's where the creativity really seems to flourish i mean this is Mm -hmm. this is literally just i mean dumpster world is just a short story in a fanzine and i I can't imagine that he got paid for it yeah it was just you know i don't i don't know anything about the publication history of it but this is you know a fanzine of pretty limited run um a few publications a year Mm -hmm. um for a few years not even that long and um and wolf provides here a short story that's hilarious layered intelligent complex and um stylish i think yeah and um and it was it was for just you know something that was literally printed on um printer paper stapled together and mailed out for three dollars an issue yeah so yeah he, he does participate in these kinds of things and he doesn't seem to be bothered by the request at least not artistically bothered by it whatever his I don't know how many times he refused to do things or you know what percentage of things he accepted, but we see a lot of his stuff appearing um, in, in these random places.
0: Yeah, which is also uh, an aside to my side. It, it makes it difficult <laughs> to track down some of these lesser known works because right. it's like, wait, what? Where... <laughs> well,
1: starting it... this project is, it, yeah, tracking down obscure things, uncollected things. Yeah. And it is kind of hard to come up with them. Yeah. Well, any other last thoughts before we move on? And by move on, I mean wrap up.
0: No, uh, dying, dying Earth genres can be summarized by dumpster worlds. So,
1: well, uh, yeah, it takes us from Jack Vance to New Sun to a dumpster world, Mm -hmm. space opera, novelization, book review Mm -hmm. thing
0: with Mariah Carey.
1: With Mariah Carey. All right, well, we're the unreliable narrators, Amanda Patchen and Brent Tal. And as Jean Wolfe said, knowledge is soon changed, then lost in the mist, an echo half heard. Yeah.